Hello and welcome to Carer Catalysts, a podcast that connects innovators for unpaid carers. I'm Suzanne, co-founder and head of carer support at Mobilize. I'm also caring for my husband Matt who has young onset Parkinson's. And I'm James, CEO and co-founder of Mobilize, but perhaps more importantly, I'm son to my mum who has MS. And at Mobilize, we believe that with innovation, technology and a bold vision, we can help carers to thrive. And we're bringing the same energy to this podcast, hearing from inspiring leaders in adult social care from across the country, listening to their stories about making transformational change for unpaid carers. So sit back, grab a cup of tea and join us for Carer Catalysts, brought to you by Mobilize. So James, hello again. So you've been chatting to Clinton Farquharson, Sounds like a great conversation, but tell us first of all, who's Clinton? Well, so a bit of a legend. Um, and, and actually, in addition to being a fantastic personality, you know, there's a, it, it's so great you know, to have a bit of a laugh in, in these um, uh, conversations and you really get a, a flavour of uh, Clinton's personality coming through, I think, in the interview here. But what, what makes him a really valuable person to speak to in this particular sphere is that he's got experience in three different directions. So he's got experience giving care to a family member, and he talks a little bit about that at the beginning of the interview. He's also someone who has received care as well, and he then also has the dimension that he's been involved in a range of organisations looking at the the big picture system level of how we manage social care in this country. And he's he's got uh, quite a range of expertise on that. So really interesting perspective. Uh, and it was great to have a chat to him. Definitely. He is always great to listen to, isn't he? So human, so great stories woven into what he has to share as well. So let's dive in and have a listen. Clinton, really wonderful to welcome you to the podcast. Thanks so much for uh, sharing the time with us. It's it's great to see you. No, I'm really honoured uh, for the invitation. Um, I'm not used to uh, uh, talking on on podcasts, so it was a great opportunity. So I thank you for uh, um, the invitation. I hope you don't regret it. <laughs> no, I'm sure we won't. And uh, Clinton, you know, you, you guys have been doing such fascinating work with Social Care Future, which I, I know you're a, um, a key member of, and you've been celebrating your fifth birthday just in the last couple of weeks. Congratulations. How does it feel to have got Social Care Future to five years? I, I think it's a, a marvellous um feet um, to try and uh, tell a different story, but also um, to talk about how we use people power to e- enable that, uh, to tell a different story because um, often um, when we talk about social care, the, the main story is crisis narrative story. So um, it's about, um, we never talk about uh, social care about glorious ordinary lives and what that means and uh, and that's what me and many other people want to do have a glorious ordinary life that's uh, that's it's it is really refreshing to hear that language and one of one of the things i notice about the the work of social care future is that the vision that you guys have shared uh it, it doesn't seem to be challenged so it, it seems like there's a real consensus that yeah, broadly people do sign up that this would be attractive. I guess the challenge is, you know, is it realistic or how do we actually make it happen? Five years in, what do you think is the next challenge for making this vision a reality? 
Um, there's quite a, a few moving parts to it for uh, uh, for me. Um, in the sector, yes, there is a, a, an agreement on the uh, uh, the story that we're trying to tell, but we can sometimes be in our own bubble, if that makes uh, uh, sense. For me, we need to go out to uh, uh, people and where they're at because, um, you know, it's great inviting people to come to us, but we now have to take the story to people to understand what's uh, social care. If you, uh, most people and the public don't really understand the term social care. Most people think it's about children, you know, uh, social workers coming in and snatching children off parents, or it's all about older people. Yeah, absolutely. I, and th I think there's a similar challenge with, with the word carer that we come up with all the time. People have a very fixed sense of what a carer is, e even if they've, they've got pa past the, the idea of the difference between a care worker and an unpaid carer. So often carer means dealing with, pers with a person's uh, intimate needs. Uh, and actually, a lot of us in a caring role might not be helping with that specifically, but but have a very significant contribution. I, I wondered, what role do you see or what place do you think carers have in the social care future vision? I think that uh, everyone has a, a, a massive part to play. And the analogy that when I talk about uh, uh, care and, uh, 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 you know, from carers' perspective and unpaid carers is... I am a person who draws on care and support. So I have uh, my own uh, personal assistance, a team, personal assistance that enabled me to have a life. But um, my late father, I was an unpaid carer for my late father who died of uh, uh, prostate cancer. And also I'm an unpaid carer for my mom who has uh, COPD and Parkinson's. So um, the issue for me is we often see caring, uh, you know, um, either as a person who draws on care or carer and, or unpaid carer as binary, but I embody all of that. So, you know, those silo thinking doesn't really help us. So it's about trying to unpick that and understand we have multiple identities when we're talking about caring. That's so important, isn't it? And, and I think one of the, the, the really interesting conversations that we have with uh, you know, many people in our audience uh, for this podcast who are commissioners, directors of social care, um, carers' leads, is, is breaking out of that, that understanding of carers are a specific group of people and thinking more that we're all in that position and... Tomorrow, uh, we could suddenly be in receipt needing uh, care, uh, or um, we'll be uh, in a caring role as well. And um, and in a sense, having the language of a carer and identifying that is 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 quite unhelpful because it suggests that there's a there's a different group of people as well. I, I wonder, Clinton, one of the one of the projects that I um, first uh, came across your work through was the Archbishop's uh, Commission on Reimagining Care. And I think it's so important that that word reimagining is in there. 
Can you say a little bit about your experience of that commission and and the process of uh, the the quite difficult process of reimagining what might be possible? Uh, yeah, that, um, thanks for that question, uh, Jade. From my point of, uh, of view, being um, uh, a member on the commission was uh, looking at social care reform from a different perspective, um, and um, the word love came up uh, and uh, if we think about uh, the word love it's not often associated with uh, adult social care and um, but love for me and many others who um, when we were on the listening events and listening to uh, 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 carers and unpaid carers and people who draw on care and support and in social care futures we include the term person, a person who draws on care and support to include carers and unpaid carers. But, uh, but love forms the foundation uh, for empathy, compassion uh, and support. And I think uh, loving social care is like um, a glue that holds uh, a mosaic together and each individual unique uh, needs, emotions and experiences are varied pieces of the mosaic and, uh, and love acts as the bonding uh, force that unites uh, uh, to, and creates that beautiful meaning of a whole person. You know, we sometimes, well, you know, it got, it's get lost. It gets lost in that everyday demand and crisis narrative. And we forget that at the centre of all of this is people and connections. The, isn't it interesting that you, you used the word joy earlier? Um, there's the word love coming up there. It, they're not the words that we hear in discussions about public service reform. And, and I always think it's really interesting um, when, when we say, you know, how, how do we fix social care? We dive straight into funding, entitlements, all of the, the various different questions. Um, but actually, when, when we speak to uh, the community uh, of carers at Mobilize, we're talking a different, a different language, uh, which is just the, sort of the realities of life. And sometimes that can be really, really tough. Sometimes it can be uh, absurd. Uh, often talk about, you know, you know you're a carer when you start talking about bodily fluids at the dinner table much more regularly than anyone else. Um, and, and actually, it's wonderful to, to be able to capture that. Now, Clinton, I know something that you're really passionate about is the concept of co-production. Um, so just kind of um, bridging that, that gap between the concept of a gloriously ordinary life and where that comes into contact with public services, how they're delivered, uh, how they're envisioned. Can you tell us a little bit about what co-production means for you? Um, okay. um, let me, um, when I talk about co-production for me, I use the analogy, co-production uh, uh, co-production is, uh, co is a long-term relationship. It's not a one-night stand. Now, what, um, for, when we talk about uh, co-production and it, and how it can contribute to um, say commissioning of services, uh, for me in several ways, 
uh, and some of the examples are for me, um, it can uh, stimulate innovation as uh, uh, people who draw on care and support and carers and unpaid carers, their perspectives and, and unique insights and ideas, how we coalesce around that. But also, it, um, when co-production is done really well, it addresses social uh, inequalities by involving the most marginalised uh, people, and often that are carers and unpaid carers, but also disadvantaged communities. And we also forget sometimes which, uh, it's allowing for user-led organisations or charities and uh, um, to, uh, from their perspective, to enable uh, a more personalised um, response and responsiveness to uh, real-life situations that we uh, have. And for me, the fundamental things that I often talk about, these principles of uh, co-production, there's three for me, and often we forget. Um, and the first one for me is, as human beings, we're naturally different and diverse, but we try to put everyone as a one-size-fits-all. The second um, element or principle for, uh, for me is, as human beings, we are curious. We are curious, so how do we uh, try and use that in co-production? And the third um, uh, principle for, uh, for me is, if you think... Um, our minds, the human mind, is inherently uh, creative. So how do we unleash that in co-production? That's what um, co-production means to me uh, uh, personally. You know, so it's involving people to shape from their individual and collective, um, you know, perspective. Because we have to look at not just we have to. I call it a blended approach of individual perspective and systematic perspective. You know, if, uh, sometimes we don't see and hold that in our minds. We have to have a blended approach to the individual perspective of your everyday reality. But there is some inherent and embedded uh, uh, structural, uh, um, you know, inequalities in care and support as we know it. Oh, it's really interesting. I'm just I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a uh, commissioner or carers lead. I'm coming up to review the the, the specification for my uh, carers service, um, and I've got buy-in from the senior team who you know let, let let's apply co-production to this. You're, you're saying that this has to be a long-term relationship, not a one-night stand. So. Maybe I'm now regretting that I didn't start having these conversations two, three years ago, because I need I need them to come now. Does that mean I I just have to give up? I, you know, it, it's not going to work. What what would be what would be a helpful first step to start that conversation happening? Well, the first step for me recognise the here and now. We are where we are, so we can uh, uh, change the direction of travel from where we are now. We can also uh, for me, as commissioners choose key areas where co-production co can have the most impact. So 
um, think about that, but also involving uh, people with lived experience and people with learned experience. You know, and uh, remember I said we kind of uh, silo uh, people to uh, them and us. What we, co-production is supposed to be delivering is the wider us. But we've gone into the them and us and how we set up activities for co-production. Oh, we need, uh, 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 you know, some uh, people with carers and unpaid carers. Yes, we do. But that can be held in one person. You know, but we need to make sure we get as many diverse views and voices, but also um, the issue sometimes with co-production, um, there's a phrase that I think is quite disrespectful for co-production, and, and the phrase is the usual suspects. I rather reframe that language and say central voices, because it's central voices, but what we need to do is widen it to get and capture the most marginalised voices that are seldomly heard. That's that's really valuable. I, I can just imagine people scribbling that down now as a as a key thing. So I'm I'm pulling together um, uh, a little co-production co group to have a think about a specific commissioning exercise that's coming up. Um, not dismissing people who you might have heard from many times before. They will probably know the sector, know the. Uh, the, know their way around the council uh, better than many others will. So really valuable to have that there. And how can we supplement that with some of the other voices that, that we're not hearing? Really interesting. I, I also really like your, your use of the phrase curious because um, so often it, it, it may be um, tempting to, uh, to go down this route, but having a reasonably good idea of what you want to come out of it. And actually to embrace that curiosity and let the conversation go wherever it, it naturally flows can be initially quite terrifying because <laughs> you sort of give up a little bit of control. But, but actually it can unlock some, some really valuable elements in there as, as well. So, Clinton, I, I wonder if, if I am a commissioner at that, that terrifying moment where I can either go down the co-production route give up a little bit of control, introduce a bit of risk um, and introduce some complexity or I can take the safe bet and just do it the way we've always done it. Um, surely the latter feels like an, an easier route to go down at that moment. <laughs> um, one of the things is um, we often go for what we perceive as human beings and individuals the the most um the least path of resistance so we will and that gives us that safety blanket but with coping option for me if, if you think about humans of being curious and using curiosity and creativity which lends itself to me naturally in the space of innovation. So if we enable that to happen, create the foundation, and some of the foundation for me is, um, I'll call it um, the housekeeping, the housekeeping of co-production. 
some of the housekeeping is uh, what's in sight of uh, that we can influence um, uh, in the in the decision making. Often that's not clear, and uh, often we make things um, we uh, the absence of trust is really important in co-production. We have to have trust, and um, for me, trust. I use the analogy of trust is like an orchid. And if you remember, an orchid is very delicate. So you have to nurture it to make uh, for an orchid to, 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 to flourish. We don't do any of that in co-production. So, and remember, co-production is about relationships. You know, so we have to nurture those relationships to unleash our creativity, our uh, curiosity. You've done it yourselves immobilized to look at innovation you know and it's about creating that environment where you know um the conditions can happen and we don't do that uh, uh, very well we make co-production a transactional uh, element it's funny my my co-founder suzanne in in a previous episode was talking about um uh if we're inviting people in to offer some input in a co-production process, thinking carefully about the biscuits that you're offering for refreshment matters. So if these are the cheapest biscuits that you can get at Tesco, that says something about how you value the relationship with the person coming in. And that's actually a, just a, a small example of, of contributing to building a relationship of, of trust. Similarly, you know, understanding that um, uh, you've got to arrange sessions in quite a flexible way because a carer may need to dash off at any moment um, and, and schedules may be changing. That it, it's sort of understanding that this is a relationship rather than um, uh, an institutional uh, kind of operation. Uh, I wonder, Clinton, um, you, you mentioned that, that piece about uh, creativity in co-production as well. Realistically, though, We've got to work with within some frameworks of what things are going to look like. So in the example of a carer's, carer's support service, it's probably going to look something like what has gone before. Um, does it? Uh, how, how could we be really radical in our creativity on some things? Uh, to, to me, uh, human beings and uh, uh, as us, as people who draw on care and support and carers, we're often coming up with everyday creativity to enable us to live, you know, being able to, you know, to think about, um, uh, uh, you know, you, a classic for, uh, for me was uh, I constantly, if someone were, wasn't in the house with me uh, and someone rang the doorbell, I couldn't know who it was, so it was, kind of, we were shouting through the door saying, who is it? Um, you know, so, you know, anyone could have told me anything. So, um, you know, a, a friend enabled me with, uh, you know, to use the, the ring doorbell with uh, uh, Alexa to do the doorbell, do uh, the lights with a switch, do my curtains. Innovation, um, you know, um, was, you know, w <laughs> The things that can be done in everyday technology is unbelievable. And that's creative 
and, and people talking and adapting what's already there. Does that make uh, so that's what creativity and I hear uh, constantly from people how they've adapted, uh, explored, and you know uh, things that are already there to enable them to have a life. But we we need to capture those stories that enable um, uh, um, the um, you know um, promising stories out there. You know we don't capture that. Uh, uh, um, well, and that's why for me, I'm really excited uh, uh, and passionate about co-production. If it's done really well, understanding that um, you use the analogy about tea biscuits. What comes to um, we use the, the analogy of hobnobs. You know, if you're really uh, uh, important, they'll get the chocolate hobnobs out. You know, uh, <laughs> but um, that has an issue around power dynamics, and that's where. The housekeeping for me is what other rewards and recognition for people who are involved in co-production because professionals are there and they're getting paid. And when but people who draw on carers, carers and unpaid carers aren't. And that's a massive power shift. How do the people who are part of co-production get recognition? if they're struggling for reward and being paid, how do they get recognition for, you know, uh, what they've contributed? Because that gives self-esteem, self-worth, all of that. That's the human uh, uh, elements that we don't do too well in uh, co-production. And are there any great examples of that kind of reward? So, you know, quite often we see... £10 vouchers for coming along to a session or whatever it might be. Uh, are, are there any ways of rewarding people that you feel really embody that that sense of respect? I'm seeing more, uh, more and more uh, uh, councils uh, uh, creating um, uh, reward and recognition policies that will be uh, uh, flexible to look at uh, if people are on benefits, you know, uh, or, you know, to recognise that dynamic, but to reward them uh, and recognition in different ways. Others who um, aren't, you know, have the benefits system who get paid because, um, and I know more and more local authorities are creating uh, uh, lived experience roles and, uh, and creating paid jobs uh, uh, for uh, co-production leads with lived experience in this whether that's uh, um, carers or, or unpaid carers or people who draw on care and support. So it is uh, uh, some really innovative work around co-production. I would say um, Hammersmith and Fulham, you know, uh, uh, um, that are doing some really interesting uh, work at a systematic and operational and service level uh, about co-production because sometimes we, we don't, do co-production in those three levels yeah 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 really interesting so so particularly for directors of adult social care in the audience yeah that's your opportunity to to create a culture across the organization where this is really embedded you're you're making a statement about prioritization there um but but can of course still be done if if you're if you're in um in a particular team looking at unpaid carers for example you, there are still things that you can do which make a difference. And uh, Clinton, my, my last question, I guess, is really, um, 
In your experience, uh, you know, more generally, in terms of making things happen, getting innovation or getting new ways of thinking and getting that diverse, curious creativity going um, when it comes to social care, what are the key steps that you would take to, to block through whatever resistance might come, come way to, to get something really exciting happening? Um, for me, that's a really good question. It's a big question. Um, <laughs> well, um, I'm, not, I'm not just giving you the easy ones, Glendon. <laughs> oh um, for me, is that at the moment, there's quite a, a lot of rhetoric in this space. Uh, and what do I mean uh, uh, by that? There is um, good intentions, but no, not real, no real change. And uh, for, for me, we need to crucially think about turning the dial from not, not just raising awareness about this uh, situation, but to making change happen. I think a few way, uh, you know, a few ways we can do this. Um, one is um, establish mechanisms for how does accountability and oversight uh, uh, to meet the goals and objectives set out in uh, um, the reform and and I call the reform about social care futures. You know, everyone in um, every DAS in England has signed up to. Uh, um, social care futures but also there is a document that um i ask your listeners to uh, be aware of it's called the um the adas time to act it's their roadmap and it's looking at um some objectives that need to look at you know technologies in there um innovation prevention there are ways of all of that has to be co-produced but also there needs mechanisms for accountability within that and uh, oversight. So that's why I say co-production at a strategic, operational and service uh, uh, delivery. It needs people, especially carers, unpaid carers, and people who draw on care and support involved in those decision-making. Now, but also um, for me, it's about uh, maintaining uh, open an ongoing dialogue, and I use the word dialogue because sometimes it can feel like a debate. You know, it's a dialogue, you know, uh, with people with lived experience and learned experience. And the other one, um, and this speaks to uh, the long-term relationship that I'm, uh, 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 I talked about, making a space for the big conversation that challenges the way things are done, you know, uh, and um, that's the space. And the analogy I would uh, use for that is um, uh, when you take, um, uh, say, a thousand-piece jigsaw, uh, my my wife loves jigsaws, and that thousand-piece or 5,000-piece jigsaws, I'm not, I'm horrified, you know, because I can't hold it in my head what she's doing but the table's full of pieces and I'm too scared just in case I knock one of those pieces off and she can't complete it. But if you think about it, um, um, when my wife talks about it, when you take a 1,000-piece jigsaw out of the box, it can be overwhelming. 
but you need to keep the bigger picture in mind. That's what uh, she, she tells me, while not losing the pieces. And the big picture is, for, for me, in co-production is, how do we enable people to flourish to get a glorious, ordinary life? Think of it about, you know, it could be a 5,000, 10,000-piece jigsaw. That, 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 that's really interesting, Clinton. Thank you so much. And, and I think it brings us back to where we start, which is uh, that envisioning of a gloriously ordinary life, uh, that some of the things that we're looking to achieve are, are really quite simple. Holding on to um, that diversity, curiosity and creativity of co-production, getting people involved, not as a debate, but as a dialogue at a strategic operational and service delivery level. And then we can have that confidence that we're not going to knock over a piece of the jigsaw. That yes, it's complex, but but uh, we can we can go piece by piece to build up that exciting picture. Clinton, thanks so much for your time and for sharing uh, the not only um, the experience and wisdom that you have there, but also the effervescent joy of uh, building a new vision for social care. It's really great to speak to you. Thank you. Now, thank you for the invitation and. Uh, I, I've enjoyed our conversation. I was a bit worried, but I've enjoyed it. <laughs> Amazing. It's been great to have you with us. Thank you. So there we have it. What a fantastic discussion with Clinton. Lots of really great themes coming out there, um, particularly really struck at the beginning where he talks about, you know, we need to step outside of our own bubble um, when we're looking at things. And so it brought co-production into much more of a real thing rather than just a word that people throw around. You can really see how he's doing it. What's your thoughts on, on what he had to say? Well, there was something really important there. I mean, it, it links into the conversation that you had with Emily Conway, Kenway about um, co-production. And, and what Clinton said that really struck me was, was how we're all in the room for that. So it can be tempting to look at co-production as, let's get some carers in, and facilitate them having a conversation about it. But actually, it, he really underlined the importance that as commissioners or um, providers in social care, there is some expertise there as well. And, and co-production doesn't mean that we just sort of chuck out all of that professional expertise. It's about really having that conversation. And, and, and even the phrase having that conversation comes up in the interview there uh, quite a lot. And I, I wonder whether we... Uh, talk about that enough that there is a lot of expertise in the in the professional side of the social care sector that that brings so much to the co-production conversation that's really true actually to be able to pull those two things together um you know you've got to make be doing that work together haven't you and i love how um clinton talks about human beings he reminds us all that we're all humans in what we're doing here and he talks about us being curious and really leaning in to hear from other people about how creative we can be and yet stepping out of what's already there. Um, how did you take all of that? Well, I'm, I'm sure that will resonate. Um, it will probably resonate as a challenge for a lot of our listeners because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in so many of these conversations, our starting point is we need to build a specification for a carer support service that's going to be got to be launched by March or whatever, whenever it is. Um, and of course, that can completely shape our thinking. Uh, and actually, I guess what Clinton is encouraging us to do is, yeah, sure, we've got those deadlines that we've, we've got to be meeting. But actually, in the conversation, being ready, being ready to be taken where the conversation goes, 
um, and almost relaxing into it and not, not seeking too much to control the outcome um, or, or the direction of the conversation. I don't think that's an easy thing to do, but, but really helpful to keep in mind when we start that process of co-production. Lovely. Fantastic. Some great things, great takeaways again um, from another great conversation. I'm really enjoying these. And just a one thing to add in, actually, um, Clinton mentions uh, the ladder of co-production uh, developed by TLAP, Think Local, Act Personal. Um, that's an organisation he's part of. So we'll include that in the show notes. And uh, the, there's, if you're interested in co-production, they've also produced some 10 top tips. And we love a practical tip on this podcast. Uh, so do please go there. We'll, we'll include the links below. Fantastic. So great to be sharing these resources, isn't it, as well? They've been you know, hard worked on, developed in co-production and now shared so generously. And fantastic to have those at our fingertips. Thanks for joining us with Carer Catalyst, brought to you by Mobilize. Do subscribe to this podcast wherever you normally get them from and look forward to the next episode. Mm-hmm.